Hello and welcome to another episode of SoccerCast Chicago. I'm your host, Alex Campbell, and joining me on the pod today, a recurring guest. She's been all over the Red Stars with a ton of coverage over the last couple months for the Chicago Sun-Times. Annie Costable, thanks for coming back on the show. Hi, no problem. Thanks so much for having me again. Of course. Uh, So we are here to debrief on the NWSL Challenge Cup, which ended on Sunday with a 2-0 victory for the Houston Dash over the Chicago Red Stars. Um, Uh Before we get into the game, Annie, what's your sense, having talked to Rory Dames and having talked to some of the players, on how this team's feeling right now as their month in Utah has come to an end? I would say it's a mixture of like relief to be back home in a somewhat um, more... I hate to use the word normal. I hate the word normal, so I don't want to say normal, but um, a more familiar setting, we'll say. Um, also, you know, disappointment that they didn't win, but also a solid understanding that this Challenge Cup was a unique experience for the Red Stars to establish some of their first and second year players and that is a win in itself so I think there are multiple emotions at play here and also gratitude that they made it through the tournament without a single player in the entire league player coach anybody involved testing positive for the virus so there are a ton of emotions at play um that I think are a really cool to see from all of them because I think a lot of people after seeing the um, NWSL Challenge Cup final would assume that there's a lot of heartbreak and disappointment and that that isn't at all that's being taken away from the from the Challenge Cup final. Right because this was obviously the entirety of 2020 for the NWSL and there was very much the understanding that you know we are making the best of this and I think yeah I think there was a lot of pride in the idea that hey this was the first Major American Sports League back, as you mentioned, that, you know, no positive tests for COVID-19 inside the NWSL bubble, obviously something else to be proud of, and we've seen these really great uh, viewership numbers from the final on Sunday on CBS, that it, it really feels like, and something that I think I've talked about it with the NWSL before, is there's very much this, you know, united front that I think was almost capped off by the fact that on the evening after the Challenge Cup final, the Dash and the Red Stars are hanging out together. It was very much this this united experience the whole time. And it never even in that final, you know, aside from the Dash's celebrations, it never felt like something that was just about one team. It was very much a showcase of the league and its players, I think, more than anything. Yeah, I think that's what was very unique about one of the aspects that was very unique about the Challenge Cup was that, yes, this was a tournament, and obviously when you put professional athletes in a tournament, their goal is to win. Um, So by no means are any of us saying that players and teams weren't taking this serious, Mm -hmm. but I think that the post-game celebrations was a perfect example of the fact that this was a league effort to um, get some kind of play in this year. Um, whether this is where the, the season ends, that's still, you know, being figured out. But there was that goal to get some kind of league play in and also um, to continue to push the exposure of the league. And so that's why I think there's this combination of – that's why I think the focus isn't so much on the fact that, like, 
oh, Chicago lost. This is, you know, for the second year in a row. It's it's really not the same at all. Of mm-hmm. course, there's disappointment, but I think the pride trumps the disappointment, and that's why we were able to see the post-game celebration and the fact that the Red Stars were, were alongside the Houston Dash because they were celebrating so much more than just, you know, the 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 Challenge Cup final. They were celebrating, you know, the growth of the league um, and the future of the league and the fact that this this tournament is over and they could all return to some sort of um, comfort. Right, yeah, and obviously lots to be proud of with this tournament. Lots of success had both, both on and off the field, but is there any sense, do you think, that everybody's kind of relieved this is over now? Obviously, you know, been away from family and away from, as you said, you know, normal doesn't feel like the right word right now, but more more normal life. I think the, the best reaction we've seen was from Vanessa Bernardo's dog about how much she had been missed. So do you think for the players at this point that, you know, as, as, as successful as the month in Utah was, there is a sense of, of relief now? You know what? I wouldn't say relief necessarily. I would say just um, excitement to be, again, back in a more comfortable setting. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, these are professional athletes, and if you think about it in any other regard, any other profession, if you take someone out of their profession, what they love to do, you know, they're not, it's, it's not like you're happy to not be working. It's right. not like they're happy to not be competing, but I would say there's more happiness just in, again, being in a more comfortable situation. Now, again, that I think that's going to wear off quickly and players are going to be want to be back out on the field. So um, I, I see why a lot of people are using the word relief. And obviously it was a challenge mentally and physically for these players to be in this bubble so to a certain degree. Yes, maybe they are feeling relief. But I also think that, um, you know, at the end of the day, competition is what drives these players and um I think they'd be most relieved if they could, you know, go back to playing in a um, more standard setting. But we know that that's not going to be the case. Well, on that note, I was actually going to save this for later, but I think it fits really well now. Um, As the Challenge Cup was still finishing up, but most of the teams had already finished their time in Utah, we saw the news last week that Sam Mewis has signed a contract with Manchester City that Rose Lavelle is considering an offer from City as well. Is it too early for the Red Stars to have had any chatter about the possibility of players, you know, going abroad this fall, especially to somewhere like Europe, where, you know, the virus has been much better contained, where the men's leagues have already shown that this looks like it can be done safely there, and, you know, the FA Women's Super League, for example, is now back in training with their the team's getting ready for their next season. Is it too early for the Red Stars to have had those conversations? Or do you think those those are things the players are already thinking about if such opportunities are on the table? Um, I spoke to Arnhem Whistler yesterday um, about this exactly, and players are already in talks about um, opportunities playing overseas this fall. The important thing to keep in mind is that, um, you know, the, the Red Stars, Chicago, um, the organization wants its players to continue to grow. And if that's going to take place overseas, then they have all the support 
from the organization to go ahead and do that. We didn't talk specifically about um, any players' specific contracts or or specific offers that are in the works, but there are definitely players from the Red Stars who are already in talks and will play overseas this fall. Right, and we can, one of the reasons the Lavelle and Mewis news is so noteworthy is it's been an ongoing thing, of course, for years that NWSU players head to the W League in Australia. That's kind of been a very partnered relationship between the leagues, but you know, as far as going to Europe, we haven't really seen anything in recent years other than um, Olympic Lyonnais tradition for several years in a row of bringing over a different USWNT player every year, Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino, Morgan Gatra, among those who were part of that ongoing, ongoing relationship. But the idea of multiple women's national team players heading to Europe at the same time would definitely be something new. And I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out. It's been, it's been well established that the NWSL doesn't feel like this is a threat at all. They're confident their players will come back next year. And you mentioned that, you know, for an organization like the Red Stars, they see this as a growth opportunity for their players and for them to get meaningful game time. And so, yeah, we'll have to see how that news plays out. Certainly something to watch over the coming weeks with the European seasons expected to start up in and around September, which is, you know, kind of wildly close at this point. It's odd to think that next week is August, so we are coming up on that already. So, you know, even though the Red Stars might be done playing NWSL games this year, no shortage of news still to come. Um, so I think it's probably about time we uh, talk about the game from this past weekend. As tough as it was for the Red Stars, 2 nothing against the Houston Dash. They rolled out basically the same lineup for the third straight game. The one change, really notably, was Kayla Sharples in for Zoe Goralski. They elected to keep Sarah Gordon at center back. Sharples played right back. Bianca St. George at left back. So going into this game, when we saw that team news, Annie, kind of what, kind of what were your thoughts other than, oh my goodness, this entire team has to be exhausted? <laughs> well, definitely, um, oh my gosh, this entire team has to be exhausted. Um, you know, I think just listening to uh, Coach Rory Dames talk from the very beginning about what the purpose of their competition in this tournament was going to be, and that was, again, like growth as an entire team, not mm-hmm. necessarily um, winning the tournament. Um, it was it was not surprising that um, when we saw these injuries happen that there wasn't, um, you know, a – extreme push to get Casey short in the game mm-hmm. or, or, or like it was it was the focus was on you know taking care of the players and not pushing anyone to sustain an even uh, more significant injury so anyways with all of that being said obviously um it would have been a different game with Casey short I think it playing um the Kayla Kayla Sharples I mean it's it's challenging because again this is like Rory said from the beginning it was the point of of the tournament was not necessarily to win so um when we saw Kayla Sharples um pull down Lewis and then the uh, preceding penalty kick it, it it definitely changed the entire game um and it hard not to think about what the game would have looked like if Casey Short was playing um but you know again 
going back to what Rory said from the very beginning, this was the entire point was to get younger players experience, and that's exactly what they did. Um, so I think that was the most notable, you know, game moment, and um, it was hard not to think about how things would have played out if, um, you know, if certain injuries didn't take place. Right, and uh, as from a coaching perspective, you could certainly understand why you'd keep Julie Ertz and Sarah Gordon as the center back pairing, given that they had looked pretty comfortable next to each other for several several games in a row. For those unfamiliar, Sarah Gordon is more normally the Chicago Red Stars right back, and Kayla Sharples, Northwestern grad, is more traditionally center back. She played very well in that second group game against the Portland Thorns alongside her former college teammate, Hannah Davison. Yeah, so, you know, you've got a couple players not playing in their traditional most comfortable position. That's also true of Bianca St. George, who was one of the breakout players of this tournament, playing it right back for the Red Stars, now being asked to play on her offside, something that, you know, Casey Short has become a master of over the past couple years of the Red Stars, playing even playing left back even though she's traditionally right-footed and looking very comfortable over there. So, to your point, though, Rory Dames said, you know, he wanted to get young players' experience, and even though some people might question the exact decisions in the end, you can understand how the Red Stars ended up where they did. I mean, and to be fair, based on the substitutions we saw in the last couple games of this tournament, Rory Dames was working with, what, maybe 15 players who he felt were fit enough and comfortable enough out there to really have a go. So, you know, by the end of this thing, you know, the Red Stars did not have as many options, certainly, as, as they would have liked. No, I mean, and it's really important to note, too, like, they got everything accomplished that they really set out to accomplish. Mm-hmm. They never said, like, they, Dames was never preaching from the beginning, we're, we're here to win this tournament, we're here to, like, avenge, you know, last season's championship loss. Like, that wasn't the goal. The goal was exactly what they did, to, to expose their younger players, to find a rhythm, find... Um, you know, positioning on a field that works for the new team, and that's what they did. So, mm-hmm. in all reality, like, this is a win for them. Obviously, there's still things to work out, but again, in all reality, like, they won. They did what they, they set out to do during this tournament, and they got the most games they could have possibly played. I think that's another important point. Like, they, they played in the most games they could have played in. They couldn't have done anything else other than win the title. And for a young team like this, I think, you know, that's why we're not seeing more disappointment because they did everything that they set out to do. Right, and you know, the irony is the one team who came into this tournament saying pretty publicly that their goal was to win it didn't make it out of the quarterfinals. So maybe there's a lesson to be learned there. So you mentioned... Kayla Sharples pulls down Christy Mewis in the opening minutes. Sophie Schmidt converts the penalty. Pretty much the worst case scenario for the start of the game for the Red Stars. Probably Chicago's brightest spot in this game was Savannah McCaskill. Again, playing in that attacking midfield number 10 role. She had a header from close range go off the post later in the first half. And that was really as close as the Red Stars got in this game. Yeah, I think um, McCaskill's header, I think it was in the 15th minute. That was um, the best shot on goal that they had. Um, You know, this is another, I think, conversation that's kind of like beating a dead horse at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone keeps talking about the Red Stars' attack, and rightfully so. I mean, when you 
are forced to replace a player like, uh, you know, uh, Sam Kerr, it's, everyone is going to be looking at how you do that. Right. Like 100% everyone's going to be like nitpicking how that gets done. And, um, you know, bringing in players like Rachel Hill and Kaylia Watt, uh, there was a lot of excitement around how this attack was going to work. But the reality is when you when you have that much change, you know, in, in any area of play, it takes time to develop a rhythm. Mm-hmm. And defensively, we saw the Red Stars continued strength because you look at who the players are that are anchoring the Red Stars defense and it's like I mean who who's a better leader leader than Juilliards? Right. Alyssa Air. Um, you know, Casey Short. Like literally in the league, who are better leaders than that? Of course the Red Stars defense is not gonna skip a beat. But the offense, the attack, I think it shouldn't I mean it's not surprising that it's taking a minute, but it's also really exciting because we saw glimpses of what it could and will look like. Um, if more time is just allowed to develop. And, of course, that's going to happen, whether it's this fall or, you know, hopefully next season is um, a more we see a more standard level of play. But regardless, it, it's going to happen. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of, you know, getting enough time to develop it. Yeah, I think that was one of the brighter spots for the Red Stars in this tournament with as much focus as there was on the offensive end and things that were actually arguably set in motion by Morgan Gatra's injury. You know, we saw the transition of Rachel Hill, who had been playing out on that right wing and not making much of an impact, move to more of a center-forward position and look much more comfortable. Savannah McCaskill, instead of being asked to play kind of almost a box-to-box midfield role, given that attacking freedom, playing underneath the central striker, immediately looked like a brighter spark. Obviously, throughout the tournament, there was Kalia Watt looking dangerous, coming off the dribble. So it was, you know, as tough as some of the injuries were to players like Gatra, players like, uh, you know, Yuki Nagasato, I, there's definitely things that the Red Stars can take with them that they learned, I think, over the course of this tournament, and that emerged as positives, for sure. You mentioned the defense. I've said on this podcast before, the Red Stars basically have a national team quality back seven, and, you know, there's no other, you know... With maybe the exception of North Carolina, there's no other team that can really come close to saying that. When you look at the players the Red Stars have in net, on defense, and in defensive midfield when everybody's healthy. Um, So yeah, I think everybody kind of knew that that wasn't going to be an issue. But yeah, the offense is going to take work, and seven games isn't a lot of time. And But I think definitely, you know, if you look at where the Red Stars' attack was a month ago and where it is now... There's definitely been some positive signs and some lessons learned to help continue this development going forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, the Red Stars are an exciting team in the NWSL, and, um, you know, that hasn't changed. The team the team changed, but their, their quality of play in Chicago hasn't changed. Right. So, later in the game... Stoppage time in the second half. Shea Groom seals the game with a breakaway goal. The Red Stars pushing everybody forward, you know, and Shea Groom is onside and basically in alone from 50 yards out. Um, I think we do need to take a moment to give a little bit more credit to the Houston Dash and how big a deal this is for them. This is a team. Oh, 
Yeah, this is a team that's never made the playoffs, and maybe more importantly, this is a team with zero United States women's national team players on it, although many people would argue Christine Ewis is at that level, and I think that's fair. But in terms of currently allocated USWNT players, Houston doesn't have any. And so to say this is an upset almost kind of undersells, you know, almost the way the NWSL is structured with teams like North Carolina and Chicago and Portland who are just laden with these international stars. And yet here comes Houston, you know, with you know not a lot of players that are known well outside of NWSL circles. A player like Rachel Daly, who's an important player for the England national team, but not their central star. A player like Christy Mewis, who's been out of the national team picture for a while. This is an incredible accomplishment for this Houston Dash team. You know, even though other teams might, you know, say, okay, this was just seven games. This is just kind of a one-off tournament. This is a big deal for the Houston Dash. Definitely a big deal. And, you know, they they don't have U.S. women's national team players, but they do have international stars. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they're definitely not like, um, you know, a, a lesser than team. I guess you can argue that fact because they don't have any U.S. women's national team players. But all of that aside, it's definitely you know, an exciting moment for the Houston Dash. And I think, um, especially considering changes that were even made to their team in the off season, it's exciting to see, um, a team that kind of everybody counted out or just at least didn't expect to be in that position. Take take that position that they were, that they earned and make the most of it. And, um, you know, it was exciting to see them celebrate. It was exciting, um, you know, to see them again be in that position and, and, and take advantage of it. Right, and this is a team who this past offseason traded the franchise's all-time leading scorer, Kalia Watt, in, right. ex- in exchange for Katie Naughton from the Red Stars to help solve what was their main issue, which was a very um, leaky defense, shall we say. And so, shout-out to Katie Naughton for really being an immediate integral part of the Houston Dash taking a step forward as she really proved, you know, quietly vital, I think, for what they did over these seven games. And I think she's going to continue to be really important for that team. Absolutely. And it was, um, you know, you saw Rory Gaines with excitement in his mm-hmm. game when he was congratulating them and took a moment to congratulate Katie. So um, definitely not a bitter ending. I would say for the Red Stars and a very exciting ending for the Houston Dash and a very exciting ending for the NWSL as a whole. See the numbers that came out of, um, you know, the broadcast and, and the number of people that tuned in. It was the second most watched soccer match of the day, just behind Manchester United. So um, I think everyone is feeling that the Challenge Cup was a win. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So as we start to wrap this up, Annie, you know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, the progress the Red Stars made, particularly on the attacking end. What did what did you learn about this team over the last month? What are your biggest takeaways from the Red Stars' time at the Challenge Cup? Um, that is a great question. I'm literally running through all of the most notable lessons that I learned about this team. I think <laughs> number one... I think number one has to be the um, the talent that the younger players have. Um, the talent that the younger players have that we haven't seen yet. 
and the ceiling that they all have and um, the excitement that's there for their growth and where the the, the younger players are going to lead this team. Obviously, Bianca St. George, um, you know, her injury kept her off the field, but she's still a young player because mm-hmm. she didn't experience. So um, she's included in that group, but all the way down to the rookies, I think it, it's exciting to it's going to be exciting to see the continued development of these players. So I think that is number one for me, just because you know this was a brand new lesson for everybody. It's just how talented the, that these young players are. Um, it was the first time getting to see a lot of them play. Um, I think second has to be exactly just how dominant the Red Stars defense is and how um, how significant it is to have players like we named earlier, Julie Ertz, um, Casey Short, Sarah Gordon, Alyssa Nair, um, Vanessa DiBernardo, like leading this young um, this young team because again we saw in the Portland Thorns game that was that was something to see these first time players come in and go up against the Portland Thorns right and hold them that that's you know and that comes from the influence of again these veteran players who these players are competing against every single day in practice so I think um, my second takeaway is just how dominant the Red Stars defense is um, and the true like leadership that then um, carries over to the younger players. And then the third has to be, you know, the talent that's there in the attack. Again, the conversation, it's beating a dead horse. Um, but the, the talent that is there, once it, you know, it clicks, it's going to be unreal to watch what this team is capable of doing. Without Kalia Watt, I mean, man. Right. Her speed is unreal. Unreal. So, um, and obviously that's just one person and one player in the attack, but, you know, there were so many bright moments in the attack. It was just like, you know, an inch here, an inch there, like one tweak here, one tweak there, and things would have been different. Um, more goals would have been scored, etc. But um, yeah, I think that's my third takeaway: is that you know, uh, once this team gets to kind of come together in a true form to practice and, and gel together, um, that attack is going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And on all of those notes, you know, kind of, I'll, I'll leave you with this: you know, we've seen, you know, both. Obviously, you know, there's the fans who've been with the Red Stars and with the league for years since its beginning who have, you know, now gotten to see the NWSL take what feels like a pretty big step out into the light of the sports world, I guess you could say, with the numbers we saw, you know, for the Challenge Cup final, getting broadcast on big CBS, the interest clearly being there in this league, combined with, you know, a lot of new fans coming into the league, people who are, you know, watching the Red Stars, watching the NWSL maybe for the first time, Regardless of what of what perspective they're coming from, how do you think fans should feel about this team going into 2021? Because ultimately, that's what this tournament gave us a window into, not just for the Red Stars, but for the entire league. It's what are these teams trying to build toward for the future? So you, I guess what would then kind of your, your parting thoughts be on, on how, how fans should feel about where this team is at right now? Well, in the words of Arnhem Whistler, the, the fans should be 
extremely excited about what the future holds for the Chicago Red Stars. We saw a glimpse of that, again, with the uh, performance from some of the younger players. Um, so I think, yeah, I think from my conversation with Arnon, that that is what fans should, should feel, is excitement for the future. This was an unprecedented summer, um, and and the NWSL took you know took what they could get, took the most out of what the situation offered, and built something even stronger, you know, than than last year. And I think that's something fans and and people who aren't fans should focus on, like. The NWSL took an opportunity that that was dire, or took a situation that was dire, and made the most of it. it kicked its ass, excuse my language. You know, single member of the league tested positive for this virus. That has not happened. You know, we're seeing what's going on in the MLB. Um, you know, even the NBA. No, no players have tested but positive in the bubble, but. Um, you know, players tested positive before getting there, and then we're, you know... Anyways, <laughs> point is, fans should be very excited about the future, not only for the Red Stars, but the league in general. Um, a lot was accomplished this summer, and still the potential that more could be accomplished this fall. And um, it's an exciting time to be a fan of women's soccer. And if you aren't a fan, you're honestly on the wrong side of this like you're gonna look back and, and wish you were a part of this uh, you know this this moment in history well it's been a very busy last month for the nwsl a very busy month for the chicago red stars and a very busy month for annie costable with all her coverage at the chicago sun times of the red stars and of the nwsl challenge cup annie thanks again so much for coming on the show and uh I'll be sure to look out for whatever news comes next and where the Red Stars players might be jetting off to here in the next few weeks. Yes, we'll have a story in um, the Sometimes Sports Saturday this week on just the future of the league, what's, what could or could not take place this fall, where some of the players may or may not be. Um, so make sure you pick up a copy of the Sometimes Sports Saturday um, You know, at your grocery store, gas station, wherever you can get it. Support your local journalism. All right, thanks, Annie. Thanks so much.